Thank you so much. Uh, so glad you're here. Do you have your Bibles today? If you don't, uh, then we'll have the scriptures for you on the screen, but I encourage you to bring your Bible with you whenever you can to church. Church is a great place to bring your Bible, and uh, I've heard. And uh, today I want to share a message with you entitled, God's Great Grace. God's great grace. How many of you are thankful for the amazing grace of God? Can you say amen? And I want to direct our attention to the book of Ephesians today. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And that's where I want to take us uh, for our message. And uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's dig into this together here. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. We'll have it on the screen in just a little bit for you. Uh, This is probably one of the more famous passages of Scripture when it comes to our salvation and to the grace of God. It is a a portion of Scripture that I absolutely love, and I felt the Lord was directing us to this here today. And uh, so I'm anxious to share this with you. God's great grace. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And we're going to go through verse 10. Say amen if you're there with me here today. All right. Let's, uh, let's uh, ask you to, if you're able to, to stand with me in honor of God's word as we read it together. And let's, um, let's see what the Lord has to say to us today. Paul says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your great grace. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to us through your word today, no matter where we might be in our spiritual journey. Lord, meet with us and draw us closer to you. Lord, that's That's the end result that we want. We want to be drawn closer to you from where we are right now. So speak to us once again through your word, and I'll thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, and we all said amen. 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 You may be seated. God's great grace. I'm thankful for his grace. I'm thankful for his mercy. Let us never be... uh, so used to singing and reading about the grace of God that we, 
we don't allow it to impact us somehow in our lives. The grace of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus, is this love that he extended to us on the cross that we did not deserve. And his grace is still there for us. Because how many of you know, we don't deserve the grace and the mercy of God. Can you say amen? Our sin separates God. But the Lord, but the Lord, through his great grace, provides so much for us today. And as I was studying this passage of scripture, I, I felt that I would try to uh, identify uh, three types of people that I believe Paul brings out in this passage of scripture today. Three types of people, and chances are that everybody in this room and everyone joining us online can fit in to one of these types of people. And so I want to speak to us all uh, through, uh, through God's word, and let's see what he has to say to us today, okay? Let me, let me identify what I would call the first type of person that uh, may be listening to this today. And it's a person I would call dead. I see dead people. <laughs> I almost went there with it, but no. Dead. Now, Paul is writing this letter to an entire church in Ephesus. Ephesus, in fact, if you ever want to do an incredible Bible study on your own, you should check out a study on the book of Ephesus. Ephesus was founded in Acts chapter 19. That's where the church was founded. And it was through some difficult means and some difficult situations that that church came about. Uh, And a lot of dramatic things took place. Then Paul followed up that planting of that church with his letter to the Ephesians. Uh, Then Paul wrote a letter to that church's pastor. Two letters, actually. His name is Timothy. Timothy was the pastor of Ephesus. So we get 1 and 2 Timothy. And then Jesus even dictates a letter to John, the Apostle John, in the book of Revelation. And one of those letters, he dictates seven of them. One of those is to the church again in Ephesus. It's a fascinating story, and it's a fascinating look to see what that church went through and some of the things that they had to deal with. Paul deals with the members of this church, if you will, and he talks about those who are dead in their sins. I think the King James puts it, dead in their trespasses and their sins. Uh, Take a look at verses 1, 2, and 3 again. Paul says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins, in which you used to live. Could y'all repeat that third phrase, used to live? So there's an expectation of a person who's no longer dead, that they no longer live in those sins and those transgressions. Can you say amen? We'll get to that later. In the way you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. I want to show you verse 3 again. So that's why I want the scripture to stay there. Paul says, 
all of us also lived among those sins at one time. All of us. All of us. Every Christian, every Christ follower in this room, and every Christ follower who's watching this, if you know Jesus, then you have a testimony. Because before, you weren't following Jesus. Now you are. Before, you were one way, and now Jesus has made you another way. Do you know how we did that? God's great grace. Can you say amen? <laughs> so when I'm reading these three scriptures here, I, 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 I notice some things that, that are characteristic of a, quote, dead person, a person who is dead in their sins, a person who is dead in their transgressions. And it's, it's really found in whom we choose to follow, it's found in what or whom we choose to follow. May I tell you that each and every one of us will follow something or somebody. That's how you were created. You were created to have a Lord. You were created to have somebody that you would follow. God created you that you would follow him. Unfortunately, the world and the enemy of our soul corrupts that and tries to fill that with something else. And Paul goes there in this passage that we just read. And let me identify some of these things that we, if we're not careful, if we choose to follow them, we will find ourselves experiencing death in our sins and in our trespasses. First of all, Paul says that this group of people, this type of person follows the ways of the world. They follow the ways of this world. Let me, in case you haven't noticed, let me point out to you that the world will always be in conflict with the ways of the Lord. The world will always be in conflict with the ways of the Lord. Now, our response to that, I do not believe, is to run and hide so that we don't get sinner cooties. Or sinner disease. Uh, because I believe that there is enough of the Holy Spirit that lives within me. That he gives me the power through his grace to be able to say no to sin and yes to God. Amen. Can you say amen? Now, one only needs to turn on the television for one week to see that the statement that I have on that screen is absolutely true. The ways of the world, and, and folks, I'm just going to tell you that it is escalating. It is intensifying. It's devolving. Our culture, the world, our society now is accepting things that are so contrary to what God's word has to say. And those of us who go along with the ways of the world, those of us who go along with that, maybe trying to be politically correct. And let me just tell you that if you want to be biblically correct, you will never be politically correct. <laughs> I thought I'd get a bigger, but that wasn't bad. Okay, I'll give that a seven. But if we go along with the ways of the world, then it's going to continue to contradict 
what the Lord has to say. This gender silliness that we have right now in our culture. Let me just tell you that it doesn't matter how you feel. It matters what God's word says. Well, I feel that I'm a... Stop. What does... I'm going to ask this question multiple times today. What does God's word say? That's hateful. That's not hateful. Stop. And you know what? You know what that is? You know what? If someone calls you hateful for having a biblically correct opinion, that is intellectually lazy. They are too lazy to discuss because now their opinion is being governed by emotion, not by facts. And your feelings will never be fact. And your feelings will never be faith. Please understand that. Why? Because feelings and emotions are fluid. They change all the time. I mentioned this in our, uh, if you watch Five Minutes with Phil during the week, I, I, I spent the whole week talking about truth. Truth, truth is never fluid. It's solid. Truth is, con- is constant. It never changes. If truth changes, it's no longer truth and never was truth. So truth doesn't change. Jesus identifies himself as the way and the truth and the life. In fact, the Bible also says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if we believe that Jesus is the truth, then we also believe that the truth is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that means we should follow the ways of Jesus instead of what our culture says. We need... We need a church. We need Christ followers. I, I'm, I'm, I'm on a rabbit trail. I'll come back, I promise. We, but, but we need Christ followers who are willing to stick to the truth of the Bible. And, and the ones I fear the most, for the most, it's our young culture. Our children are being indoctrinated with lies. And, and the home and the church have to reinforce what God's word has to say. I got to move on. Uh, a person who's dead in their sins, they will follow the ways of the world. Secondly, they will follow the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The, and these are Paul's words. They will follow the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Who is that? Satan. Let me tell you who it's not. It's not a politician. Some of you are fighting the wrong enemy. Oh, I should say that louder. Some of you are fighting the wrong enemy. You need to realize that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, unseen forces. That's, you, you don't mess around with supernatural forces through natural means. It's not going to work. The weapons of our warfare, the scripture says, are not carnal at all. They are not man-made. Our weapons, folks, the enemy fears when even the weakest Christian will bow his knee to pray. Let me say that again. The enemy fears when even the weakest Christian will bow his knee to pray because that, that 
As we said last week, if we're serious about God, we'll be serious about prayer. And that's how we take on spiritual warfare. We pray. Those of you who tell me that you're praying for me, do you realize the difference that you're making in my life? Those of you who are constantly praying for this church, please don't think that that you're plan B or plan C. Please don't think that, well, she's got to do something. I guess she'll pray. This pastor does not categorize you that way. I need prayer warriors. I need people that'll pray for me when I don't even have to ask them to pray. I need people that'll pray for this church even when we don't have a prayer meeting. We need to tackle the powers of darkness through supernatural means. And God has given us this incredible weapon called prayer that we can do that. But when we follow the ruler of the kingdom of the air, then uh, the, the scripture continues to say that that's basically the children who are disobedient. Disobedience. Again, what does the Bible say? Pastor, should I do this or not? What's the Bible say? I've seen people justify sin in so many goofy ways. I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, I just want to be happy. (laughs) That's Greek for (laughs) it's the same thing. Happy. God cares more about your character than your comfort. He'd rather you be holy than happy if there's a choice. We have softened the gospel. We have watered it down. We have put a blessing on things be, be, because it, it, it makes financial sense. Because I mean, we have people shacking up because it makes financial sense to do so. Do it God's way. Do you not think that God is big enough to take care of your finances if you do things His way? Are you kidding me? Do it God's way. Do it God's way. We have people that are, that are uh, taking on lifestyles that are contrary to what God's Word says. And, and, and it's, it's, it's evolving in the church. It's coming into the church, capital C, where people say, well, you know, we just want to be a people of love. Love has nothing to do with it. In the words of that great prophetess, Tina Turner, what's love got to do with it? Okay, I'm, just thought I'd lighten it up a little bit. Some of you did not get that, and that's a shame. Because that was awesome. <laughs> Great prophetess. Oh, she's a hot mess, ain't she? What does the Bible say? What's the Bible say? What's the Bible say? And then Paul goes on to describe people who are, who are dead in their sins. Not only do they uh, follow all of this so far, but then they also follow the flesh's desires and thoughts. Now, Again, verse 3 told us that we have lived among this stuff at one time. May I just tell you that every single one of you, and, and I am included in that, we will all have desires and thoughts that are contrary to God's best for us. We will have that. Why? Because we are carnal, flawed, sinful human beings. But the choice is, do I act on those desires? Do I gratify the flesh? Or do I gratify my Lord instead? 
And sometimes the pull of those desires are huge. And, and for different people in here, those desires and, and those sinful desires and those sinful thoughts, they may be something that you've got to crucify every single day. Maybe multiple times a day. Where you've got to say, oh God, I need help with this. God, I need help with this. I don't want to succumb to this. I don't want to give into this, into this desire. It's a mature person. Listen, listen. If you're here and you're saying, well, not me. I'm so close to God. I don't have any fleshly desires. <laughs> well, boy, you got pride. Like, uh-uh. We all got it. The point is, okay, okay, God. The mature person will say, here it is. Jesus, I need your help with this. I need your wisdom as to, and your strength to say no. I need your wisdom to tell me how I can avoid this. If we're that gut level honest with God, man, we, we have no problem even being grouped in this first category of being spiritually dead. We cannot prioritize the flesh. We cannot prioritize how we feel more than what the Bible says. Can you say amen? amen? So just because you're attracted to something or somebody doesn't mean you should act on it. That is contrary to what our culture says. This is the way I'm made. Hmm. Not if you're a new creature. Because God makes us new. The old is past. The new has come. And that leads me to the second group. The second type of person. Not only those that are dead, but uh, let's go to number two, where we are told that uh, they are the delivered type. The delivered group. I found, when I was studying this, I found an interesting contrast between two uh, types of situations here. You see, in, in, in verses 4 through 6, take a look at this. Here's what Paul says. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Paul brings out the work of God, first of all. You're being... You're being saved. You're being delivered from sin. It's not you. It's the work of God in you. God has done that work in you. And, and, and what happens then, when, when the work of God takes place in our lives, then we share in his love. We, we experience the love of Jesus. God, who in his great love chose to forgive me when I was at my worst. God, in his great love, while I was still a sinner, sent his son to die for me. Folks, that is love. That is love. And it's a love that I can also share with other people. The work of God, that changing work of God is because of the work and the love of Jesus Christ in my life. We share in his love and we share in his life. He raised me up. It wasn't because of my willpower that I am changed. It is not because of my solid character that I am changed. It's because of the work of God that he has 
put life in me. What am I trying to tell you? That we must have a holy dependency on Jesus Christ if we're going to do the work and the will of God. Again, it's contrary to what our culture says. Okay, eventually, my son is going to get married to, hopefully, and, and, uh, Okay, I don't plan on them living in my house after that. And they don't plan that either. <laughs> Just in case we have this recording now. <laughs> so the goal, the, the goal of a dad and mama are to hopefully equip our children to become as independent of us as we can make them, okay? And I know there's different situations. Don't send me nasty emails. But, but you get the picture. But now with God, it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. See, the more mature I get, the more dependent I get on God. It's the immature person that thinks that they could do it all on their own. It's the, it's the immature person that thinks that, well, the stuff I can do is enough. And I'm learning that if I want to go deeper in my walk with God, then I've got to have this daily dependence on Him. And that leads me, not only do we see the work of God, but look at verses 8 and 9. Verses 8 and 9 says, It is by grace you've been saved through faith, and that none of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is a work of God, not my works. It's not the works of mankind. It's the work of God. My being delivered from sin is not through the works of mankind and not through what I can do. It's through what he has done. Some of us quit, need to quit trying to earn God's grace. Grace is a gift. You don't earn gifts. Let me say that again. You don't earn gifts. Well, if I just do this and I do this and I do this, maybe I can make it to heaven. If I don't do this and don't do this and don't do this, maybe I can make it to heaven. I have heard mature Christians say this, and you need to understand that it is not your works that determine your salvation. It was the work of God that determined your salvation. You respond to the work of God. And those whom Jesus has forgiven, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Some of us think that God stands in heaven in this big gigantic marker board. All right, his name down. Oh, he went two miles over the speed limit. <sighs> Let's erase that. And, 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 and I've seen people willingly walk away from their salvation. And I think that that is a tragedy and it can happen. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that are putting so much emphasis on what they do that they've taken the grace of God out of their salvation. See, the works of mankind, they are lacking. One scripture says that my righteousness is like filthy rags compared to the righteousness of God. 
I mean, the best I can do is still not enough. Anybody who tells you, if you hear anybody ever say, well, you know, I've done this, I've done that, I've done... I I did a man-on-the-street interview one time when I was a youth pastor. (laughs) We had this camera that, you know, weighed about 8,000 pounds. We're walking around with it, and I've got a mic... Mike wasn't even hooked up to the camera. I just tried to look official. So, you know, hey, how are you doing? And, and, uh, and we're recording and we asked people, how do you get to heaven? How do you get to heaven? We asked 10 people. We asked 10 people. I think only one person gave us a, a biblically correct answer. So many people put their faith in what they could do instead of what God has done. Paul says that our salvation, grace that we're saved by, it's not of works. It's not about what we could do. And he further goes, uh, or he goes further in verse 9, says it's, it's not of works so that no one can boast about it. See, the works of God are not only lacking, but they are also very leading because it becomes all about you and not about God. It becomes all about you. And there's a lid on what you can do, Bubba. (laughs) There's a lid on that. There's a ceiling there. But with God, there's a song that says he can make the vilest sinner clean. See, when I talk about people who don't know the Lord, I always put the word yet. Yet. That person doesn't know the Lord yet. Because in my mind, Nobody is a lost cause. Jesus died on the cross for everybody. It's the work of God, not the works of mankind. And as I look across this room, we have a lot of people nodding their heads saying, yes, I've accepted the grace of Jesus Christ. And hallelujah for that. Can we say amen? Amen. But I want to close this message with the third type of person. We've talked about dead people. We've talked about delivered people from sin. But let's not forget that we are also designed by God specifically for a purpose. For a purpose. I want to speak to the people who think that they are inadequate in the kingdom of God. You're not. See, your salvation is not just about getting your get-out-of-hell-free card. Salvation is more than that. Look at verses 7 and then verse 10. Verse 7 says, In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, Expressing his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Verse 10 says, We are God's handiwork. King James says, We are God's workmanship. Another version says, We are God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared. Don't lose this two word phrase. God prepared in advance for us to do. God has prepared in advance for you to have a purpose. 
See, your good works, my good works, the things that I do, they're not what brings salvation. They are the byproduct of salvation. It's not necessary for me to get saved to do a bunch of good things. But it's expected of me after I have given my life to Christ to do good things. Well, I'm just going to linger. I'm just going to hang in there, Pastor, till I die and, 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 and go to heaven. Goodness, what a terrible existence. My, my pastor in Columbus would... would <laughs> He would say, well, die then. That's what he would say. <laughs> that year we had more funerals than, than ever before. And, and I told him, I said, you got to quit saying that, pal. But that, that, that's not your purpose. Just to linger and die. Come on. You've been created for good works. And God prepared in advance for you to do those. And different people are going to do different things to advance the kingdom of God. The problem is a lot of people think that we have to be celebrities or we have to be up front. Oh, I, I, I can't speak. Okay, don't speak then. I don't need a bunch of talkers. Well, I can't, you know, I, I'm, I'm not talented musically. Okay, but, but my goodness, if we think the extent of being useful in the kingdom of God is getting up on a platform. We've missed it. We, we have a group of women in here that send cards to other people. And, and, and I know this because I get, I get phone calls or we get messages at the church saying thank you for all the cards. And I'm like, I didn't send a bunch of cards. But then it dawned on me, oh, it's that, it's that group of gals. What a difference you're making. Just writing a card and putting a stamp on it and, and mail. What an incredible difference you're making. Those of you who are preparing eight months in advance for our biggest outreach of the year, and you come on Tuesday nights. You may not have an audience physically, oh, but you've got an audience of one. And you're making a difference. You've been created to do good works. You have been designed. You have been designed for good works. You have been designed for a purpose doing good things and showing the world the great grace of God. That's, that's your assignment on this earth. You've, you've been created to do that. So if you think that you're inadequate because you can't do this, and stop focusing on what you can't do and focus on what you can. And at the very least, you can pray. At the very least, you can lift this pastor up in prayer. You can lift this church up in prayer. At the very least, you can lift my family up in prayer. You could lift your brothers and sisters up in prayer. But some of you, you could do maybe even more. You've been created because of the great grace of God to do great things. Great things. 
And that's what God's great grace is about. Can I ask you today, and Ralph, if you could help me, that'd be great. If you find yourself maybe in one of these categories, really, if you take a look at it, there was a progression, wasn't there? Those that are dead in their sins. And if that is you, then Jesus wants to forgive you of your sins today. But he will never force, listen, he will never force his grace on you. Gifts are not forced. You have to accept that gift that he offers to you, and that's his forgiveness. So we accept his forgiveness. We say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Become the Lord of my life. And, and, and what happens then, we are delivered. And then, then we realize that it's the work of God, not the work of myself that did this. It wasn't because I worked uh, with kids or because I cleaned something or because I signed up for some ministry, but, but it was the work of God that I'm saved. And, and, and it's the work of God that keeps me saved. I said the work of God keeps me saved. Right? He sustains me. But maybe we got a big group of people that are right in that second type. Hey, I've been delivered. I'm just waiting for him to come. And we all eagerly await the return of our Savior. But until then, let's realize that we've been designed to do good works that he has prepared for you in advance to do. He's already got a plan for you. Do you know that over the years, I've had people say, hey, I want to help you. I had no idea how to use them. I, di- I didn't know what they could do. I didn't know what they had the strength to do. Okay, do this. Well, uh, uh, I'm not real strong. Uh, okay, well, do this. Well, I'm not very organized. Okay, well, do this. I don't like the computer. I'm thinking, what, what am I supposed to do with you? But God's not that way. God's not that way. He created you. He knows your strengths. He knows what you can and can't do. He knows your ceiling. Sometimes he might stretch you, but, but he knows who you are and how you're wired and how you're made. And because of that, he has already come up with a plan in advance to use you. My prayer is that we would complete the trip from death to delivered to realize that we are designed and let's flourish in that. Can you say amen? Stand to your feet, would you please? Maybe today you need to respond to this in a certain way. Maybe today you need to say, Lord, I need you to forgive me of my sins. Today, God's here to do that. Maybe you're watching online and you know you're not right with God. You know you're not right with God. And you've said yes to things that you have no business saying yes to. This is not, I'm not here to judge you. What I'm here to say is that there is a God who loved you. There's a God who cares about you. There's a God who sent his son to die for you so that you could have salvation. And today is the day. It's not a coincidence you're watching this. Today is the day for you to give your life completely to Jesus. You might be here in person, same thing. God's here to save you today. He's here to come into your life and change it. To change it. Or you might be here and you'll say, no problem, pastor, I've been saved for a while. 
then would you just flourish in the fact that you have been designed, you've been created with a purpose, and in advance, he had his plan for you. Even before you got saved, he had a plan for you. And it still applies today. So you may need to respond today in one way or another, but the Lord is here to meet with you and you with him. Can we bow our heads, all of us here? And I just want to ask, is there anyone here you're not right with God today? And you know that. You need Jesus to forgive you of your sins. You need a new start. You need him to come into your life. Maybe you've grown apart from him and you need to return to him now. If that's you, I will not embarrass you, I promise, but I want to be able to pray for you when this is all over. So if that is you, could you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? I want to pray for you. That God do that great miracle in your life today of his great grace. How many of you, God is just speaking to you today about realizing that you are designed for a purpose? That God has created you to not just exist, but he has created you to abound. He has created you to excel in the grace of God. And hands are already going up on that. I, I, I want to give you a chance just to get alone in his presence today. Maybe you want to come to this altar and pray. Maybe you want to sit or bow at your seat, whatever the case might be. But we're going to open this whole place up and make it a house of prayer. And if you need to talk to the Lord and he with you, would you do that when I say amen? And before you leave this place, let's know. Let's know that we are designed for a purpose that God's created in advance for us to do. Jesus, I ask you right now, I believe that you have a desire to meet with a number of people here today. I ask you, Jesus, that you would do that. Lord, I ask you that you would right now speak to us and God show us that you have a purpose in our lives. God, may we know that the, that the grace and the love of God is not about us, but it's all about you. <laughs> So God, we rely on your grace. And God, when the enemy of our souls tries to make it about us, God, we totally expel that lie and we breathe in the truth of God's word and we hang on to that. So Lord, I pray that you would strengthen relationships and God, that you would move in people's lives and we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, and we all said amen. Amen. If you need to get along with God, feel free to do so. If he's released you, you can be dismissed of fellowship in the lobby. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here today. God bless you.